Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is the W2 Prison Break Show, the podcast to help you fire your boss and become the CEO of your own business in under 12 months. I'm your host, Brian O'Neill. I want you all to prepare to have your minds blown, especially those of you who think you know a little bit something about creative financing. Your mind is about to be blown by my guest today, Derek Dombeck. Derek's done a ton of creative deals, but he doesn't refer to creative financing the way that you've been taught. So we're going to be taught a little bit differently today. And I'm a creative finance guy. I quit my job using creative financing and I learned some stuff today and I love it. And I'm excited for you to learn what Derek knows. This is going to be simply awesome. Derek's been involved in real estate for 20 years. And you know that a guy is legit in real estate when he says, when they say 2007 to 2009 and 2020 were the best years that I had in business. Those are people that you pay attention to. So pay attention to Derek. Hey, Derek, welcome to the show. Look forward to uh, discussing some cool topics with you today. Well, thanks for having me on, Brian. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Guys, we were introduced by a mutual friend, and I can't stress enough what the power of networking does. I had no idea who, who Derek was. I had somebody on the show and made, made the introduction, and here we are. We're going to talk about some awesome stuff today. Derek, you've done a lot, okay? But you did have a W-2 job at one point, and because this is the W-2 Prison Break show, let's give the listeners a little taste of that and talk about what you did and then maybe why you decided to break out of that and shift into what, you know, you started doing at that point in your life. Absolutely. And I'll give you the very brief version, but I started in 2003 and while working my W2 job, which was essentially a construction-based job, my wife and I built up a pretty large portfolio until 2007 when the markets crashed. And ultimately, thank God I still had my job because I I lost almost all of our real estate holdings ended up getting um, about eight different foreclosures that I, I negotiated out of, you know, doing short sales, but still was forced into bankruptcy in the end. And, you know, the job that I had was a, a decent paying close to six figure income back in the 2000s. So that saved my bacon. But once we got through all that and we started figuring out alternative ways to negotiate and talk to sellers directly so that we could buy or control property without using banks. That's what ultimately got me out of my job. So since 2010, I have not used a bank for any investment ever. I think it's really important that people with jobs realize when you quit your job, you are going to be less bankable. So you should have some of these tools in your toolbox to learn how to you know, buy or control property without using the banks. Hey, I want you to talk about that, but I also want, before you do that, I want to ask you, okay, bankruptcy, foreclosure, like that would scare most people out of real estate permanently. And yeah. you you decided to dive back in. So maybe chat a little bit about, about that, because I think a lot of people who are hearing that, well, I'm never touching that stuff again. Well, at the time, there was a lot of pain and shame, right? And once I embraced it, and, and actually started using it to my advantage. And I know that sounds bad, but when I sit down at the kitchen table with, with a, a property owner that's going through financial distress, 
I can truly sit there and say, I know how you feel. I know the range of emotions you're going through. This is how I got out of it. And here's how I can help you. I look at 2007 through 2009 as the biggest blessing I've ever had. Although at that time it did not feel like a blessing. And as far as, you know, do you quit or not? I think that's just a personal thing for me. I, I was brought up and raised to believe in you finish what you start. And a little bit ironically today, people spend time and money to come to my, my masterminds, my, my events that I host, not because of how good I am, but because of all the crap that I went through and learned from it. Yeah, that was a blessing, but it didn't feel like it for many years. It never does, right? Okay, so 2010, you started doing deals creatively, no banks. Let's talk about that. What are the ways that you're taking deals down without using banks? So first, I want to kind of define creative deal structuring because many people, especially right now, they're they're listening to a lot of the gurus that are talking about purchasing subject to is a creative you know deal structure and you know using options seller carried financing all of these things are not really creative financing they're just a way of financing what i consider to be creative financing is when you stack these strategies together to solve a person's problem i do like to use leases and options to control property without owning it i do like to have either a subject to purchase or a seller carry back on the financing but the only way you really and I don't want to use the words fine. The way you create those deals is through conversations with the owners of the property, with the sellers. And I see a lot of times in chat rooms and, and like bigger pockets type places, people say, well, how do I find creative deals? How do I find a seller financing? You, you don't find it. You create it through conversations. So just recently, I bought three properties with zero money down, 0% financing, for 10 years, one of the properties had, so this was three properties with one owner in three different cities. Oh. And, and I happen to live in the upper Midwest. I'm in Wisconsin. So two were in Wisconsin, one was in Michigan. Okay. And the seller was, was really stuck on his price and his price was basically full retail for these properties. So through our discussion, I said, I'm more than happy to give you full price. Now, Brian, would you ever pay full price for a, a property? Uh, I would not, unless I would be doing it the way that you're about to describe. Okay. So in the Midwest, we can still buy cash flow in, in certain circumstances. Not every property will cash flow, but a lot, a lot of them will. So I explained to them, he had these three, first of all, I'll tell you his distress. He had these three properties with property management company. They were taking advantage of him. He had never been profitable in seven years. He had never been profitable. He was consistently putting money into the property, mostly because of bad management. So I said, Tony was his name. I said, Tony, I'll give you your full asking price, but I have to have payments that allow me to cash flow, And I have to have a, a length of time that allows me to pay down so that I have some equity in the property over time because I'm starting with zero equity. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to have to spend some of my cash potentially to update the properties. So. That's what we did. He, he took zero down and 0% financing because he got his price. So that means every month as my payment goes in, it's, it's strictly principal reduction. Yep. Okay. It also raises my basis, my tax basis in those properties so that 
in the future, when I do resell, I don't have as much capital gains. But what I don't have is a mortgage interest deduction for taxes. So just kind of weigh out what's better or what's worse. Yeah. So I bought those properties and I titled them in a trust. One of the properties did have a, a small bank note on it, which we took subject to. And the other two properties were free and clear. So he's carrying financing on all three. So then I turned around and I thought, I really don't want to stick the time and energy into these properties. They're, they're not what I want to hold long-term. So I called up some of my friends and I said, and specifically the one in Michigan, because I don't want to own properties in Michigan. So I called my friend. I said, you're buying a house in Michigan. You just didn't know it yet. And I'm going to finance it for you. I'll have the paperwork ready next week. And my friend said, uh, okay, tell me about the house. I said, you don't need to know about the house. It's going to cash flow and I'm going to finance it and you're going to buy it. And they did. But I didn't want to sell the property because I didn't want another closing. I didn't want it to, to transfer because I still have to pay Tony, the seller that I bought it from. So I want right. to stay in the middle of this deal. Okay. However, I can sell the beneficial interest of the trust, which is personal property. And you sell that using essentially a bill of sale. And I sold the beneficial interest of the trust on payments. So I'm at 0% financing and I sold it to my friends at 7% financing, better than they can get at the bank and very little money out of their pocket. And the way I structured it was in the event they ever fell more than 30 days behind on payments, there is an irrevocable letter of direction to the trustee that they have to give the beneficial interest back to me if there's a default. So there's no foreclosure. Beautiful. I love it. You're combining, like you said, you're combining a bunch of different methods creatively. Stacking, yeah. yeah, stacking strategies. Stacking strategies. Curious, were the, are these single family, multis? What type of property? Uh, these, these just happen to be singles. Okay. Yeah. What, what did you do with the two that are up in your area? I did the exact same thing, sold them to other friends of mine. Okay. So, right. so the way that it, there's not a lot of uh, monthly cash flow, we're going to clear about $800 a month off the three properties total. Mm -hmm. But because there's so much principal reduction and I have 10 year balloons on my deal with Tony, I gave all my friends five year balloons. Makes sense. So these three deals will make about $148,000 over five years. Over five years. Right. And you put zip down and you're not paying any interest. I got zero down and the little bit of money we had on a pocket for closing costs, we got that back from the people I sold the, the beneficial interest of the trust to. So they were just base hit deal. They weren't home runs, but now we've got three paying assets for the next five plus years and very little work. And a very happy seller. Yes. So you just called it a base hit deal. Most listening would call that an absolute home run and probably say, well, that's a needle in the haystack. You got lucky. How many of those, and I know the opposite to be true, how many of those types of situations, similar, right? Where the guy's mm -hmm. not making any money, he's, he's tired of landlord and he wants out. How many of those situations do you encounter, you know, in a month or a year or, you know, whatever timeline you want to give? Well, I'll put a percentage on it. So about 60 to 70% of our leads on a weekly basis go to the creative deal structuring side. And it's 100% because of how we lead the conversation. So... When myself or my acquisition manager, who I trained, 
when, when we're taking phone calls and by the way, we do everything on the phone because we buy across our entire state. Mm-hmm. So we don't go to meet with the seller until we're 95% sure we're actually going to get a contract. We're really just going there to verify what we've been told. Right. But what I do, Brian, is within the first couple minutes of every conversation, I have a little elevator pitch and it gets a point across that then allows me to ask any question I want. And that opens up the discussion, which leads to all of these creative structures. So essentially, Brian, if you're the seller, I'm going to role play. I would say, Brian, we buy houses in several different ways. All cash is not a problem, but that's typically going to be our lowest offer because we're tying up cash. If that doesn't work for you, we can take over your debt if you still have debt. If you don't, we could make payments to you over time. Or in some cases, we could just lease your property and buy it later, which works really well with landlords that are trying to offset capital gains. I tell you all that just so you know there's multiple ways we can help you today, but I am going to have to ask you some questions that some people maybe wouldn't wouldn't really like. Is that okay with you? 100%. Yes, it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that elevator pitch allows me to start asking questions. And if, if they get upset when I say, well, how much debt do you have on the property? I can revert back and say, Brian, remember I told you earlier, I'm, I'm just trying to solve your problem. And, and this is part of what I need to know to solve your problem. That is a very small fraction of what I actually do. Um, I mean, I, I actually teach a two-day negotiations training on what I do, but it, it gets people to open up. And that starts the conversations. And that's all a negotiation is and should be, is a conversation. 100%. I love how you did that. I, I can tell that you probably say it exactly like that to every single seller. It's very natural. You've, you've clearly rehearsed it. I've called multiple sellers over my real estate career. And you guys, you remember what you're doing. You're calling them about their house or an investment property. Like this is an emotional situation, right? So you, you, you can't just go in there and start throwing a bunch of numbers at them, right? And asking a bunch of personal questions. They're going to they're gonna get defensive. So I love that elevator pitch. That's awesome. I'm sure that works wonders for you, especially later in the conversation, as you had uh, alluded to. Awesome. How did you find that particular, like what's your lead strategy? Like what are you, what are you doing to find these types of deals? We're out there in, in as many different avenues as we can, right? Okay. We've, you know, we're, we're hitting social media. We're doing direct mail. We've, we've got our web presence. I get a lot of referrals or other real estate investors that don't know how to structure deals. Uh And I would open that up to your audience too, Brian. If somebody has leads that don't fit your, your cash buy box, but the, the seller is willing to talk other terms, I'm more than happy to help people get through that. And, you know, I tell people all the time, I'll, I'll give anybody advice, which means a few minutes of my time. If it's more than that, it's consulting. And then, <laughs> you know, there's, and then I, you know, I want a piece of the deal or I want, I want to get paid for my time. But that's, I, I'm pretty blunt about it at this point. Cause what I love doing is, you know, Brian, having conversations like this with you on podcasts and, and other people is, is great. And I love to give back, but we're all only given 24 hours in a day. And I have a vision for my life that includes me not working nights and weekends. And I don't, again, if I'm helping somebody, I love it. But if it's consulting, it's consulting. And we're all in this business to make money so that we can leave our jobs, right? Totally. And I love how clear you are on that. Like, hey, after a couple, three minutes, I consider it consulting and I I expect to get paid for my time. Don't let people rob your time. You mentioned the word vision. 
mm-hmm. before we hit record, we talked a little bit about this. So a mistake that I see with a lot in my mastermind, with a lot of the people that I interact with, is they have a vision for their business, right? Maybe it's not developed all that well, but what they don't have is a personal vision. And you are a big proponent of, hey, this needs to be done first. How can you design a business if you don't have a personal vision? So I want you to please share with the listeners the importance of doing it in the correct order. Absolutely. And and if if you're anybody watching this instead of listening to it, there's a logo over my shoulder. It says Generations of Wealth. And that is that is our brand. And, and our tagline is live your vision, love your life. I have seen so many people, and myself included, that work seven days a week, especially when you have a job and you're trying to develop the business. It's tough. I mean, there's sacrifices that need to be made. However, if you're making those sacrifices and, and essentially lying to yourself, saying things like, I'm doing this for my family and someday we'll be able to reap the benefits of all this hard work. Someday may never come and your family may hate you or leave you because they really don't want more stuff. They want you. They want time. And to me, time is the the true measure of wealth. Money comes and goes and certainly money helps, but time is is just I'll tell you from a personal standpoint, I, I buried three classmates at all age 48 in 2023. And uh, I'll never get the time back with my friends that passed away. And I thank God that I took the time to spend with them before they passed. And if I didn't have a business that was designed that way, I wouldn't have been able to. And so the point I'm trying to make, Brian, is you should sit down and map out what you want your personal life to look like. And the important part is don't filter it with time or money. Map it out as if it's already happening and money is not a factor, time is not a factor. What would you want your day-to-day life to look like? And if you take a weekly or a monthly calendar and you start with some examples, you know, I want to be able to put my kids or, or be there when my kids leave for school. And I want to be there when my kids get back from school. Uh, I want to work out in the morning. I want some time with my wife for breakfast all these things, you may find and likely will find that you you don't even have 40 hours a week available for your business or work. You may only have 20 to 30. You may only have 10. Now it's time to build a business that fits within the allotted time that you have and the business needs to serve your personal vision. And when you get to that point, and by the way, this doesn't happen overnight, and, and of course it's work, but when you get to that point, you truly live your vision and love your life. Well said. When did that vision or when did that light bulb go off for you where you said, okay, I need to do this. I need to spend the time. And, six, um, year, the, six years ago. Okay. All right. so, so I spent 14 years of my career doing it the other way. Yeah. And, and the one big aha moment that kicked me in the head was sitting in a mastermind my peers were all calling BS on what I was saying because my wife was sitting next to me in that mastermind, teared up and crying. And what they were calling BS on was I was saying, well, I, I had to work that much. I had to take the phone calls because if I didn't, I would lose a deal. And if I lose a deal, that's 20, 30, 40, $50,000. And they all looked at me and said, your wife doesn't want another deal. She doesn't want more money. She wants you. She wants time. So they all challenged me to set office hours and I was 
like most entrepreneurs, I was freaking out. I'm like, I, I'm not gonna be able to do this. But I did, and my business didn't suffer. It actually increased. Because what you come to realize is when you make yourself available 24-7, nobody respects you or your time. When you have office hours and you're only available 9 to 5 or by appointment only on weekends or, or evenings, which has to be authorized by, in, in my case, my wife, people will adjust their calendar and their schedule to get with you. That's why I go back to what I said earlier. I'll help anybody for a few minutes, but if it's consulting, it's consulting and it's got to fit within my business hours or it's not happening. And that's, that's our vision. And your vision is also very important to measure against when the shiny objects come flying at you because there's opportunities that come my way every day. And I have to look at it and say, does this take me closer to my vision or farther away? And that's my filter for if I do something or not. So I would assume that you're pretty good at saying no to stuff that doesn't align. <laughs> I would, I'm better at saying no now than I was in the past. I do still take on more than I should. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of great nuggets there. And what you just said, you used the word and thank you for sharing because people think the complete opposite. No, I've got to grind it out and work all the time. I'm going to miss a deal. And your business increased as a result of you putting this in place and listening to your mastermind group, which I want to talk about. You have a mastermind. What has it done for you personally? And you know, what are your thoughts on masterminds? I'm a big believer in them. How has that changed your life or how have you, and how have you seen it impact other people's lives? Well, the way the circle of trust is run, I think is, is unique compared to most, most masterminds. And, and you have to be careful what you're getting involved in. Not that they're bad, but a lot of masterminds are only focused on getting you to do more deals, more business, right? Some of them you have to be hitting a certain amount of volume per year, or you have to have a certain net worth before they'll even let you in. Those groups can be dangerous because they're not really worried about your vision for your life. They're all just beating their chests and comparing how many deals they do, right? So can that build up your business? Absolutely. Can that destroy the rest of your life? Absolutely. So for me, our mastermind is, is vision focused. Yes, we all help each other with our businesses, of course, but we're talking about our personal lives. We're talking about our health, you name it. There's nothing off the table. And we also host ours in a different location. Every time I lease out a house and usually it's at least a 12 bedroom or larger mansion type of a house. We just got back from Dominican Republic a couple of weeks ago. We hosted one there, which we had a fenced in three acre beach villa with a staff and a chef. And it was awesome. Wow. Um, but what that does, Brian, is you're immersed with each other for several days. And there's no, like, if you go to a mastermind that's hosted at a hotel in a conference room, people can escape. They always run off to, to hide in their rooms or, you know, maybe you all have dinner together at a restaurant, but if you have 20 people in a mastermind and you go to a restaurant, you're, you're really only talking to the people sitting directly across from you or right next to you anyways. Our masterminds, everybody gets about an hour and a half in the hot seat, we call it, to focus specifically on, on your life and your business. But the conversations that happen at breakfast and on the beach or in the hot tub or playing poker or all the extracurriculars that we do, that's where the magic is really happening. And that's where everybody's growing closer and closer to each other and becoming a family very quickly. So 
whatever you do, yes, you should absolutely be a part of a mastermind. Be careful and, and get into one that that is what you're looking for. If you're brand new to the business and you don't have a mastermind, start your own. Just get a group of four or five people together and, and just let it grow. That's what we did. We started our first group and it grew to currently we have three groups, you know, national presence, but that's really what we did. And you've got to find people that are going to be genuine. What I would caution you on, we don't have people from the same markets in each group okay. because if I had a, a group of people that were all from Atlanta, Georgia, they're not going to be a hundred percent open and vulnerable because they're in a competing market. When we have people that are from all over the country and I'll use COVID as an example, when COVID hit, mm -hmm. we were all collaborating and talking about what we were seeing in each of our markets on a daily, weekly basis. The power of that network, the majority of the people that I, I spend time with 2020 was their best year in business by far. And for many, it was the worst year because they were panicked and they didn't have anybody to collaborate with or anybody to turn to. I think they're huge. They, they hundred percent changed our life. I never knew anything about vision until I joined the first mastermind group that I was a part of. And then of course we've been running our own, but it's definitely a game changer when you're with the right group of people. Totally agree and be selective. That, that That's the, the message that Derek's giving. So interesting that some of the best periods of your life and, and the people that you associate with 2007 to 2009, which most people want to forget that forever. And then COVID and same for me too. It was one of the best, it turned out to be one of the best years of my life. That's when I exited my job. I did a bunch of real estate deals and it was because I was around the right people, right? Instead of what everyone else said was, was, was freezing, right? And not doing anything. I, I'd like to get your take, Derek, on right now. There's a lot of people, and you probably encounter this all the time, like they're just kind of waiting. Okay, I'm going to wait for rates to come down. I'm going to wait for, you know, prices to come down. Like it's just, they're just sidelined and they've been on the sidelines for a long time. So what advice would you lend or maybe some words of wisdom to that group who is just waiting for something to happen? Well, if I could cuss, I'd probably get a little vulgar with them right now because you can. <laughs> the, no, the, it, it's bullshit. It's just an excuse. You can do deals in any market. I've done creative deals for the, I never stopped doing it, right? The last few years has been the, the highest sales cycle we've seen in the longest time. I was still doing options and, and all the things I talked to you about earlier. It's just an excuse. And honestly, the challenge is you're afraid of something. You're either afraid of, of failure or you're afraid of success, but you're afraid of something. And I would say you're being selfish. For me, I have all this knowledge, right? And I know I can help property owners and I know I can help other investors and, and people that listen to your show. If I chose to sit on the sideline, I'm harming people by not helping them because I have the ability and the knowledge to help them. And so when you twist your mindset around to say, you know what, I, I know this homeowner is in distress. I know I can help them, but I'm scared and I don't want to call them. Flip it around and say, mm -hmm. if I don't call them, I'm, I'm hurting them. I really need to call them because that's what's best for them. And just trick your brain if you need to. But get off your ass. It, it's not going to do itself. This business is, the concept of this business is easy, but it's not easy to do if you don't take the steps. It's impossible to do if you don't take the steps. Yeah. So, and that, and that, you know, really goes true for any 
business. We make it harder than it than it really is. Not that it's easy, because again, you described 2007 through 2009 as like that. It's not yeah. you're gonna have some. You're gonna take some body blows, right? Great stuff, Derek. I really appreciate this. You have something we were talking a little bit. You have something that maybe you want to give give the listeners today. Absolutely. Um, so I've got actually two books that I was a part of. And uh, have you ever heard of a fairly well-known speaker named Jim Rohn? Absolutely. Okay, I figured you did. Um, so Jim Rohn's business partner, Kyle Wilson, I met the man a few years ago. He asked me to be a part of a collaboration book. So I'm, I'm a co-author with a bunch of other awesome authors. The first book that I did with him was called Next Level Your Life. And then I did another book with him called The Transformational Journey. Both of them hit number one Amazon bestsellers, international bestsellers. They're awesome. The, the people in them are, are great. And I'm, I will send a digital version of both of these books to anybody on your show. They just need to tell me, you know, in an email, uh, I'll give everybody my email address, my personal email address. So if you've got other questions or you need help with anything, feel free to reach out. Just give me some grace. I may not respond within 30 seconds, but, um, you know, I am here to help. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you the digital versions of those books. Just tell me, you know, you heard me on, on Brian's show. Give me a little background about who you are and where you're from, because I like to get to know people. And yeah, be my pleasure. So Awesome. Thank you for doing that. Do you want to leave the email? Sure. Um, it's going to be my first name, Derek, spelled D-E-R-E-K, at globalgow.com. Derek at globalgow.com. Got it. And guys, let's not abuse that. Understood. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna message them and take advantage of it. I can't tell you how many people, Derek. You probably know. I can't tell. You, I leave my email all the time. I can't tell you how many people don't email. Yeah. They like to. And that again, I think that's fear showing up, right? You're you're afraid of something. So there's nothing scary about Derek, guys. I'm, I've been talking to him here for the last half an hour. So take advantage. The only thing scary about me is uh, we might talk for a while, but. Uh... <laughs> Cause I, I am pretty passionate about this stuff, but I love, I love it. I mean, yeah. it's been my life for 20 years. You can tell that I love it. Um, anything you got coming up that's, you know, exciting that you want to, that you want to talk about that you want to, that you want to share. Um, yeah, I know um, this isn't the only thing you got going on. No, no, I, I've got actually the generations of wealth podcast is going to be launching around March 1st. Nice. And, uh, so that'll be the generations of so we're, we're starting to record shows and, and put that into post-production. I've got to tell all your listeners that have never ran a podcast or put on a podcast, like Brian does a ton of work for you all. So I hope you all appreciate it because to do a daily show is, is uh, borderline nuts. Um, Agreed. I'm doing a weekly show. It's, it's crazy. So yeah, I'm excited about the Generations of Wealth podcast. Uh, we've also got our cruise, the Generations of Wealth Voyage, coming up March 9th. So that's a conference on a cruise ship that we have 10 non-selling speakers. It's kind of an advanced strategies and, and networking cruise. You can look that up at gowvoyage.com. And we've got our next round of, of uh, Circle of Trust retreats coming up in April. So it's uh, pretty busy. We're, we're usually traveling about every other week or every third week. We're going somewhere. All part of your, of your personal vision that you laid out six years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're living and I'm, it. I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm, I kind of dusted off a, a two day negotiations training that I used to do. And I'm, I'm doing one of those live in Milwaukee 
Wisconsin in February. So if anybody's wants to talk more about that, certainly just shoot me an email as well. It's pretty cool. Derek, this has been great. I'm so glad we got connected. Um, I know you probably got something good, but whether it's a quote or like a final thought, I mean, hit us with, hit us with your best stuff. What, what do you want to leave us with today? Well, the thing that, that stuck with me the most when, uh, I, unfortunately I lost my dad early in life or he was 64, but the one thing that he always told me, and I lost him actually in that period of time between 2007 and 2009. So still a rough period. He was the, the one that, that said, you finish everything you started. You, you never quit. And, and that's really, I think what stuck with me the most when I was going through those hard times is you can lose literally everything financially, but short of having head trauma, you don't lose what's, what's between your ears and you can get it back much, much faster, much, much better. As long as you don't quit, it's not always roses. As anybody that's been in his business for more than a few years, it's not always roses. I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't ever want to go back to a W-2 job. I feel like I'm unemployable at this point. It's a great thing. But those of you that are in jobs, stick it out. Make sure that you're secure before you leave it. Make sure you've got reserves. But it's awesome. It's awesome on the other side. It most certainly is. Great share. Thanks for the vulnerability. Derek, this has been amazing. Thank you for uh, sharing your knowledge and your insight. Super appreciative. I got a whole page of notes here. Look forward to having you back on. Good luck with the podcast. Everyone make it a great day.